Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Billboard Sharpie Podcast. Excited to have uh, three guests with us today, all in celebration of uh, a great event coming up here in New York on November 17th. It's the 25th anniversary celebration of the New York Songwriters Circle uh, at the Bitter End on Bleecker Street in Greenwich Village. And uh, really the person in charge of all that, uh, our first guest, Tina Schaefer. Tina, welcome. Welcome. Hi, how are you guys? Alex Vitoulis yes. of the Alex. Billboard Charts Department as well hey. is here with us. And uh, Tina, this is this is so exciting. So uh, we're going to talk to you. Uh, Billy Porter is going to be joining us as well. Tony Award winner for uh, his role in Kinky Boots in mm-hmm. 2013. Mm. Uh, we're also going to chat with Vanessa Carlton. Uh, Wonderful. Billboard chart topper. And these people are all, uh, at one point or another, have been under your watch, under your yes. teaching at, mm. uh, at, at the Songwriter Circle. At, at uh, the bitter end. That's All these years. <laughs> your, your students. <laughs> yes. Vanessa was um, about 17 or 18 when um, I met her through Herb Rosen, who was a radio guy up at Atlantic Records. Gave me her tape. Can you remember cassette <laughs> tapes? I listened to Vanessa, and I booked her at the Songwriter Circle, which was just, I think it had been maybe two or three years in the making. Um, and, you know, she was just so, so gifted. Um, raw around the edges, but I remember telling her the song that she had, um, A Thousand Miles. Right. I said, you know, that could be a real hit. <laughs> a little, And I introduced her at that time to... Um, my then husband, uh, Peter Sizzo, who was a record producer, and you know he started making her record, and the rest is uh, history. And Billy Porter, before he was winning Tony Awards, somehow you uh, you you, that you discover also him? How did, how did that, that came out? also through the songwriter circle. I have to say, you know, when I was first asked to host the songwriter circle. It was by a young woman by the name of Randy Michaels um, because Kenny Gorka had originally started the idea to have something in the round like Nashville, the Bluebird. And um, 
And then Randy hosted it for a little while, and I performed in it a few times. I'd just been signed to Warner Chapel. And she said, hey, you know, I'm going down to Nashville for a couple weeks. Can you take over while I'm gone? I said, sure, you know. And she said, just book your friends. (laughs) So that's how that started, and she never came back. So the circle just kind of took off. And so Billy came, this young manager by the name of David Monk, came to the show and he said I have the most amazing African American singer you will ever hear so I said okay so the first thing we did was we brought Billy up to my apartment I coached him on something and I can't even remember he had the most I couldn't I mean I he was just so incredible words don't describe that voice it's just so I mean he sings for the blood as he says and he'll tell you that big personality And, you know, at that time in his life, no one really knew what to do with the Billy Porter because he sang like a Celine Dion. Right. But he was a smart, really educated guy. And they, you know, we got him signed to A&M Records, but they couldn't turn him into a street dude because he really wasn't that with, you know, the baggy pants. He really wasn't that. So, you know, we had a lot of, I should say Billy had a lot of really huge ups and downs. um, And then finally found his feeding footing on Broadway and you know I think he had been doing Broadway all along but when he landed the role of Kinky Boots I think I mean I'm not sure and he'll probably tell you but I think that role was really written for him that is just stopping it's just unbelievable so anyway that is how I met Billy all through the circle so is it crazy to look back uh, 25 years something that started because you you filled in at one yes. point, to look back at that, right? <laughs> yes, it is amazing. You know, I, when I first started running the circle, I just thought, this will just be temporary, <laughs> and I'll just book my buddies. And all of us were just starting out in the business. We weren't, nobody was anybody. No one was making money. Yeah. And, you know, Jesse Harris, who later went on to win a Grammy for Nora Jones' song, I Don't Know Why I Didn't Come, he was my voice student. And he brought Nora for her very first gig. You know, we were all, we would all hang out. You know, we'd eat what we could afford, get a cup of coffee together, talk about what our fears and fantasies were in the business. And little did I know, I just, you know, I just kept booking and booking people. And someone started to hit. You know, first Jesse hit. No, 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 no. First Lisa Loeb hit. Lisa Loeb hit. Yeah. She was the first, very first one to hit with her song. Um, what was that song? Uh, stay. Uh, stay. Yeah. You say. Oh, da, 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 da. Right. <laughs> so Lisa Love hit first, and she was at the circle. Um, she was someone that had submitted her song in a cassette tape. Um, and then came Jesse and Nora. So those were the first three that were out of the bag. Those were the first three. I and mean, then as the Grammys years. galore. The years went by. And if I'm correct, I think. At the time, Stay came out and went number one because yes. it was from Reality Bites. Right. That's right. She was the first unsigned artist to That's hit right. number one on yeah. our charts. But even though it was released on a label because it was part of the soundtrack, but it's an amazing story, that song in and of itself. Yeah, that's right. I'd forgotten that. Yeah. Ah, creaky mind. <laughs> it's, it's amazing, you know, who's walked through the doors and, you know, what, what keeps you going with this? I mean, because it's... Oh, it seems to me that it it's such an important piece of New York yeah. and of, you know, the musicians that are in New York who know about it. Right. Um, it's so highly regarded. 
Oh, well, thank you. And what really keeps me going is that it it is the gift that keeps giving. And I am such a strong believer that whatever you put out there in life and whatever you really do with love and consistency comes back to you. And it has come back to me a hundredfold more. The circle has done more for my life than anything, you know, as far as in the music uh, world. And And one thing when I started it, you know, the music business was in a completely different place than it is now. As you guys both know, it's a 180-degree difference. Right. Yeah. But one thing that's always remained the same that never changed is people's love and desire for great content and people's love and desire to see it perform live and to hear about the story behind the song. And that's what keeps me going, the community. It's a true community of writers because we are a little bit of a different type of uh, person than the performer, although I've had performers plenty there. The writer is a much uh, more behind-the-scenes, kind of more cerebral, uh, quieter usually, except for Nashville people. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really uh, given the voice to a lot of writers, I think, that otherwise wouldn't have been heard, because it's a lonely life being a writer, you know. You're by yourself most of the time. Yeah, some of the country. Gary Burr. Oh, Gary. There. He's written so many great oh songs for, for Doug Stone. And, and I other. love – well, he'll yeah. be there. Yeah. I love Gary Burr. He's just – and he's funny. See, he's a ter- perfect example of someone that's completely witty and has that real sharp – you know, come back. Me, I'm very slow and methodical. I have to write several pages out before I make my comment, <laughs> which is why I admire those guys. You know. You're doing so. You're doing fine so far. Oh, here. Thank you. <laughs> is the uh, songwriting for you? Do you do you do you guys talk about the process of? You must do that all the time, right? And is it kind of different for everybody? Sometimes there's always a song in someone's head. Other people sit down with nothing and try to write something. Oh, that, that's the that's the uh, twenty million dollar question. It is. It's it's different for everybody, um, and it's so individual depending upon where you're coming from. Um, for me, it's a very um, I have a very difficult time writing songs. They either come to me all at once and out of you know the great unknown. Right. Or I piece them together with co-writers, and then I just go home diligently and work hours and hours on them. And then I work with lots of people that just can sit there, have two cups of coffee, smoke five cigarettes, and just start pouring out lyrics. It's just, and you know, and my um, my former husband Peter Zizzo, who is you know one of those people that's just why we wrote so beautifully together. I was very methodical, classically trained, and he was like. I'm going to do this. And I, well, you can't do that. And he goes, why not? Well, I don't know. It's, I didn't learn it that way. He said, let's just do it. Right. <laughs> I mean, you wrote many amazing songs. Many, many, yes. I know you're a fan, Alex. You give, of course. give, give the history of, of uh, maybe your most successful chart hit. Well, is the Billy Porter song, yeah, Love, Love is on, on the Way. Love is on the Way. Which was from the first Wives Club. Right. It did peak at number 81 on our R&B singles chart. Yay. So you are a charted writer on our charts yay and um you know and hopefully billy can when he arrives can add some more in-depth detail about this but i will (laughs) i just thought that was such an amazing song and that was the first time i think i heard billy and that song just hit you like pow oh my god it was just beautifully written beautifully executed and then six months later Boom, Celine Dion releases her album, and lo and behold, what's on there? Yes. That song. I mean, and to have a placement on a Celine Dion album. It was I mean, incredible. 
that it just it floors me. I mean, I can just imagine the feeling you got to you know see the process of that and have it be in a movie right. that you know Bette Midler was behind and have it sung by probably two extraordinary singers, the greatest voices. Uh, I mean, of, really, in the pop world. How did Celine Dion come to record a song of yours? Well, um, we were signed to. Well, Peter was signed. Peter Zizzo was signed to um, Denise Rich's publishing uh, company, which was with Rick Wake. And Rick Wake was a very well-known producer. And Rick loved the song and took it to, this is from what I know, took it to Celine's um, management, Renee at the time, the late Renee, and they fell in love with it. I mean, and she basically copped all Billy's gorgeous, you know, melismas, and she just fell in. Billy is her favorite singer, so that's and that <laughs> and that happened. We we did get it on that record, and that was like, I'm, as you guys well know in the music business, it was like winning the lottery because not only was the song on the record, but the other song that was on the record, not written by me, but um, my heart will go um, on, yep. was from the Titanic movie. And thanks to Leonardo DiCaprio, and, that and Kate and Kate Winslet, that record sold thirty three million worldwide. Wow. So and, I mean, it, in the U.S., it's you know definitely I still get royalty 10 million. checks from them. I mean, you can live off those royalty checks. <laughs> it's a, the trickle down effect right now, but well, yes, yes, it's different now. But it's but it's like you yeah. know that's that's just an amazing. It was the stars aligned all right. It paid for my kids' college. It really did. There you go. I know, and I know at least one of my favorite songs that you've written is by one of my all time, probably my all time favorite artist, "Flower in the Rain" by Sheena Easton. Oh, Sheena, and um. I know when I heard that, it was one of my favorite songs off that album and one of my favorite songs that she's ever done. Oh, it's just a beautifully written, and Sheena, one of the greatest singers ever, in my opinion. Yeah, I just beautiful I voice. love her voice. Yeah, beautiful. She's Scottish. And like, she I'm is. Scottish from my, my whole heritage is German and Scottish. But um, that came to being, um, I wrote that with the wonderful Arnie Roman, who is a wonderful writer, and I actually went out to L.A. and met with her main A&R guy. And I just walked in the room and played it. And he said, are you going anywhere right now? And I said, <laughs> well, not if you don't want me to. And he said, well, I'd like to play this for the people working on Sheena's record. And uh, I think this is going to go on her next album. And I was like, that was the – that is all cuts that easy? I'm going to be going in every appointment. <laughs> and that's how that got cut. And then it ended up being used on The Outer Limits, which is now coming back to TV because I just got a whole licensing thing from uh, Metro Golden Ware. So awesome. they're putting that back out, which is really exciting because that's a big song in, in oh, Outer Limits. Just a – Awesome, awesome Thank song. you. I know. It's amazing. A good but song can take you far. It does. I mean, you, you've done so much in this industry and continue to do so much in this industry. I mean, not only from running this circle, but also, you know, being a vocal coach to many, many artists, some who have gone on to great success, mm. as well as, you know, recording your own music and putting out albums on your own. 
Mm. Yeah, is there one Thank side you. of the industry you like, or you just love all the different ways <laughs> you're, you're being creative and helping other people? Well, you guys know as well as I do, these days you've got to wear 12 hats, you know, <laughs> to keep it spinning. So I'm very, very blessed that um, I really got wonderful training in vocal pathology. I went back and did a year in clinic with the late Dr. Gould, who was Celine's doctor, um, and then went on and went kind of back when I had my two kids. I just started, continued my writing and performing and running the circle, but I just started teaching a little bit. It was, you know, some good income, and I thought I could really help. And as it turns out, I was just really good at it, and I really loved it. So, um, you know, I get sent all sorts of people, people that lose their voices on tour. I get people that that come and just, you know, want to increase their range. I get a lot of damaged people, vocal-wise, who are touring so much these days because that's how we make our money today. Right. It's right. all touring. It's like we don't sell CDs so much anymore. Yeah. And what about your own music? Um, you know, you've released <clears throat> some albums yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's been a couple of years since you've put out something. Yep. Are you working on anything new? What's coming along? Yes, I am. I am working on something new finally um, with the amazing Kevin Bentz, who's been my producer and so the tapestry of my musical life for 15 years. Um, and that's that's coming out probably within the next year. So it's for me, I'm telling you, writing songs is just like pulling teeth. It's just very hard for me. But I do love it once I get in there. Is the thrill still there every time when that melody oh, yeah. pops into your head? It's, oh, is it yeah. like, oh, I can still do this? It is. It truly, it's it's a miracle. I don't, that, that connection is, and it's like a muscle in all fairness, probably because I don't do it as much as I should. <laughs> yeah. I, I heard uh, Tom, Tom Petty uh, said it, it's sort of like fishing. You just you keep going. Yes. At some point, you're going to get something. <laughs> That's you're, you're gonna so get that, true. The, the, I love the, that. The, the That's a great hook, analogy. Right? Yeah. Right. Thank you, Tom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And this uh, this event coming up uh, on the 17th, you're performing. Uh, Billy's performing. One one huge name who's a part of uh, the songwriter circle's history, we haven't even mentioned yet, is uh, John Oates. John Oates, yeah, two-time Hall of Fame inductee. Right. And I met John. Really, that came through the songwriter circle, and it came through our wonderful Charlie Feldman up at up BMI introduced me to John. And I had written in the past with Phoebe Snow, the late Phoebe Snow, and John's wish in his life was to be able to perform on stage with Phoebe. So I booked them together with myself and some other amazing Jesse, and we just became friends. So he'll be back. Um, he'll be there for both shows, the 7.30 and the 10. Billy will be at the, Billy Porter will be at the 10 p.m. show. And there's just a list of outstanding, Standing writers that night, most of them Grammy or if not BMI, ASCAP winning. Eric Bazilian from the Hooters who wrote It and God Were One of Us. I mean, the list goes on. I'm just so thrilled. And they're all friends. It's such a it's a warm venue, too. It's it's not that big. You feel it almost feels like a house concert in, in, in the city. It is. I think it only holds 200 people max. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, today, as you celebrate uh, 25 uh, years of the Songwriter Circle, what's the future for? Do you still seeing new talent uh, yeah. that comes in? You think this That's might a great, be the next, at least a little, the next best across? That's a great question because I really want to make a point to say that once a year I do a Young Performers Night, um, which consists of some of the best up-and-coming talent in New York City. And, you know, a lot, it's always sold out and people come from all over to listen to the talent and you have to be under 18 to perform. Um, And this year I have three guys from the Harlem Arts School who are coming to perform and they're just, 
you know, every kid is just so amazing. And they don't have a place to be heard, you know, really. In live music, online isn't the same thing. So it's really exciting. And that comes in the spring. And it's interesting in this era where anyone can go on YouTube and, and perform mm-hmm. from home. But it, it must be different when you, you get these younger artists and you can uh, give them advice, learn from 25 years of writing and performing. And that uh, going on a reality show like The Voice or American Idol is one way mm-hmm. to get there. But it's probably such a minority of people who will break through that way, I would think. Mm-hmm. A big lesson you can teach is that it's it's hard work. It's not overnight success for anyone. No. And even even artists on those shows, it, it's not overnight. It's years of building, but that's that's probably a big lesson you would teach, right? Huge, right. It's such a long process, and consistency and showing up is 99% of it. Just saying yes and showing up, you know? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Making my way downtown, walking fast, faces pass, and I'm homebound. Vanessa Carlton here on the Billboard Chartbeat Podcast checking in, uh, joining us. Vanessa, welcome. Hi, thank you. Absolutely. Uh, Tina is here. <laughs> Hello. I don't have to introduce you guys. <laughs> yeah, we go back a little ways. So, uh, so uh, oh, Van- yeah. Vanessa, Tina was saying great things about you, how she knew you way back when, when you were, was it 17 years 17 old? 17 or 18, because I remember you were applying to Columbia College, which you got in. <laughs> yeah, well, I was waitlisted first, but yes, ultimately, <laughs> I, yeah, and I, uh, I, out. Um, I met Tina when I was 17 and a half, and she totally took me under her wing in the city. I had been living there since I was about 13 and a half, because I was studying ballet um, uh, at the School of American Ballet, so I was living in Lincoln Center, but then once I graduated, it was like being thrown in the wolves, you know, and I really wanted to do music. And Tina was my first um, real vocal coach, too, actually. Um, many other things to me, but that was a really important one as well. Thank you. I remember those days. And I just remember, <laughs> I remember you were playing the first time at the songwriter circle, and you were playing A Thousand Miles, and just how... And then how you are and how you completely mastered your voice now and your writing is just, you know, you're, you're one of the people I get inspired by. And that's, that's saying a lot. Oh, so I, uh, I, first of all, thank you so much. But I, yeah, that was, 
that was a really, you know, when you're a young songwriter and you're trying to find your people and, you know, I, I, I think Tina was actually one of the rare people that I came across that I felt like, first of all, I trusted. And so I, you know, I didn't feel like she was trying to like mold me into any sort of like, I don't know, thing I didn't want to be. Right. I was pretty, um, you know, I was really skeptical of a lot of people that were coming to my life at that time because I had some attention from major labels, but at the time, most of the, the male record executives that I was meeting, they were just like, you know, this is a time of like Britney Spears um, at the top of the charts of yeah. like every chart. And I think yeah. they just saw any any girl, like any woman, and what they were like, well, maybe she can, if she smile, sounds slightly popish, we could turn her into this. And like, mm. it, was, it was terrifying. I was terrified, and Tina was awesome. You know? mm, thank you. Oh. When did you write uh, A Thousand Miles, Vanessa? You, you must have been really young. <laughs> he you was young. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Like, it was like around that time I met Tina. Yeah, it was like, yeah. Like, you, a little, yeah. Like 17 and a half. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you remember, uh, do you remember writing it? Do you remember the, the inspiration? Um, I, you know, I really love Aaron Copeland and I love it. I love Rodeo. Yeah. And I, you know, I was a ballet dancer, so I love dynamic instrumental pieces. So I had like, I had that instrumental piece for a long time. Then I was able to kind of like slowly piece the song together because it's kind of a weird little chunky instrumental thing. And then you have to like turn it into a song, right. you know, it's like, and it's, it's funny. It's one of those songs that I've heard a lot of people try and they try and cover it or sample it. And it's just like, doesn't ever really work. Like, it's weird. It's like, I still want it to work for other people, and it just doesn't. It's just, like, too weird or something. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, the, the singer-songwriter circle was, like, a huge, had a huge impact on my early, you know, on my early career trying to, like, move forward and get a rec- record deal and a publishing deal. And Tina's, like, our... She's our um, wizard um, teacher, <laughs> vocal teacher, who heals us. I've never actually had a note on my vocal uh, on my vocal cord because of her. And I, yeah, I started awesome. out singing in such a, like, this really straining kind of, I mean, the tone and everything was like really affected and forced. And I like over the years, like you said, like you just kind of settle into your sound and your voice. Like yeah. some, some vocalists are born into a sound and they just have this character, their voice. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it never needs to change. But, um, yeah, I think that's that's another uh, you know great um, attribute to like you know in terms of Tina's teaching. It's like she's giving you a technique that's just going to protect your voice, and you can slowly, you know, your you you can your vocal sound can progress. You know, it will change mm-hmm. and it will it will just stay healthy. You know, that's a great point about uh, affect in a vocal. I feel like sometimes you hear a new artist and it you can kind of tell that they're putting on a bit of voice, and maybe part of it is. is uh, like you said, Vanessa, they haven't found their voice, or they think this is how I'm supposed to sound. Yeah. It takes a while before exactly. you can just, uh, just uh, trust your own voice. Right. Yeah. Well, what's really bizarre is when you hear, you know, you can tell someone's voice usually by listening to them speak. Their true speaking voice is pretty much, if they elongate it, what they're going to sound like. And then you hear these people right. come into you, you know, with this great speaking voice, and they open up to sing, and it's like they've completely taken on a completely different caricature. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. It's wild. And I think if you work towards, like, Mm. if you just 
if you really are working towards authenticity as an artist writer, like you'll get there, like you'll yep. get to the that's town right. that you right. are. Um, I think that's that's important to hear for like for, for new writers or new, you know, people breaking into music and you know you're learning by mimicking too a lot of times. Like mm-hmm. you're mimicking your that's favorite right. songs or your favorite artists. So just right. like try that on for size, you know, and then you move into like really as you get older, kind of like your real outfit. You know. Well, congratulations, congratulations. On, all, on all your success, Vanessa, and just a, another example of, of Tina, of, of all your all your musical children who uh-huh. have come through. She's one of my favorites. And I'm so, uh, so honored to be one of those kids, man. <laughs> Thank you so much Thank for joining us. Thank you so us. much, Vanessa. You're welcome, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Billy Porter here on the Billboard Charpy Podcast. Billy, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to chat with us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that this was in person. You know, I, this week has been crazy. I have not. I'm, my brain is my brain is fried. So I apologize. <laughs> I apologize for not being there in person. We're we're happy to have you on the line. And uh, Tina, you and Billy have seen each other in person many times, right? Well, we certainly have known each other many years, more than we'd like to admit. <laughs> but we we yes, actually we are. we we're over twenty. We're over we're over twenty now, and um, we actually came together by a mutual um, friend, uh, David Monk, who I met at the Songwriter yeah. Circle when Billy was just three years old. <laughs> you can tell my age. I've worked hard for my age. Yeah, you go. I was, well, how old was I? Maybe 24, 25? Yeah, maybe? you had just graduated. You were really fresh, fresh off the boat. Yep. <laughs> yep. So maybe even 21. <laughs> Keep pushing, baby. <laughs> All right, so what was that first uh, meeting? So uh, the first, first meeting, David Monk came up to me at the Songwriter Circle and said, I have to tell you about this amazing um, voice, a man, performer, singer I'm working with by the name of Billy Porter. And uh, Billy, did, did we meet at my apartment? Is that how it went? David came over with you? Yeah, we did, actually. We I, went to your apartment. That's right. We met, and I think you sang. We, um, I just... Anyway, it was for, love at first sight, and and then I think I introduced you to um, Peter Zizzo yeah. and Rick Wake. I remember going up to Rick, yeah. Rick Wake, and I know um, Rick had the, the company with Denise Rich at the time. Uh, DV8. DV8. Yeah. DV8 <laughs> DV yep. Wonderful. Slash A&M. Slash A&M. And mm-hmm. I remember going up to Rick and just saying, this is bar none, the finest talent I have ever heard. Um, and then we, Peter and I got him into seeing Rick. And I, I think that's how your first record on A&M came out. Is that right? I don't know. Yeah, that is absolutely right. Okay. That is absolutely right. You you introduced me to Peter. We went to uh, Rick. I sang, and we started working. Yeah, that was incredible. 
And, yeah. you, and you guys did a beautiful, beautiful record together. And I was telling them earlier that it was a, re a weird time in the business because here you were, this really highly educated, highly trained, beautiful singer with gorgeous songs that were written on that record. And the music yeah, business, beautiful. they didn't quite know what to do with you. You know, there's not, there wasn't a whole lot of love at the time for somebody who was gay. Right. Um, and there wasn't a whole lot of love in, in the industry. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a whole lot of love coming from, you know, the people buying records, if that was a thing. Gangsta rap was a big thing at the time. You know, it was Absolutely. black men were expected to be hardcore. Right. Um, and it just, you know, it just wasn't. The shoe didn't fit. Yeah, they, and, and, <laughs> and unfortunately, the label um, was not brave enough to sort of stand on the idea that my talent would be enough. Right. You know, unfortunately, unfortunately, um, you know, and it was a weird. It was a, it was an awkward time. It was you know, Napster had just started. Oh God. You know, and 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 the downloading had just started, and 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 the hubris of the industry to think that they didn't have to pay attention to that. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, and we were right at that curve where it was like, oh, oh. Yeah, wait. that's right. It, right. You know, and companies started closing and folding, and I was just in the middle of all of that. Yeah. Before, before I could really find any kind of real traction. Right, right. Um, you know, and it was also, I think, too... You know, for me, it was interesting because I was in a space where, you know, at that time before the internet, as a 47-year-old man, I was taught creatively uh -huh. um, to be a brilliant interpreter of other people's material. So the agency that would have been necessary for me to write my own stuff and to have my own vision, even though I had my own vision, and in retrospect, my vision was better than theirs, mm -hmm. I didn't have the confidence to push that myself. Because I thought, oh, well, you know, they know better than me because they've been doing it longer. And sometimes that's not the case. The work and the commitment to myself and to my truth and to a truth that I was told would never work Mm. manifested inside of what became Kinky Boots. Mm. You know, I came before my time. Yeah. You know, I was, a, I was an energy and an archetype that existed before the world was ready for it. That's right. But I stayed and I fought. Mm. And, you know, the race is not given to the swift, nor is it given to the strong, but the one who endures to the end. That's right. And I'm here till the end. I'm so grateful that I did that I never gave up. I'm so grateful that I didn't listen to the people that said who you are is unmarketable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Who you are is not going to work. And I said that's not the truth. And whatever that means is what it means. But I'm going to stay inside of my truth because it's the only thing that I know. That's right. You know, it's the only thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. It's easy to be who you are when what you are is what's popular. <laughs> the minute that what you are isn't popular, it becomes a different journey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a, a you were just saying, uh, Tina. We were talking before how 
You said Nora Jones would be happy, uh, she said, if she just sold 10,000 records and had enough money just mm-hmm. to tour in a bus and just perform her art. I, I guess that's that's success, right? Just being happy with, right. with what you do and what your vision is. What I've learned is that you have to be true. Right. You have to be true no matter where the chips lie, uh, where, where the chips fall. And, you know, the naive version of myself coming from Pittsburgh in show business was that I wanted to be a star. Right. But what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't mean anything. Nope. And as and as the and as the what I thought was going to get me to stardom began to break down, I had to ask myself a different question, and it became clear. You know, and I'm an Oprah watcher, and I am a fan. And you know, I was watching the show one day with her and my aunt Lou and Yama Van Sam, whatever. And you know, they said something that resonated with me, which was service how can you be of service and I turned that question on myself and I said how can I be how can I use the gifts that God has given me to be of service to something other than my own ego Mm. in in an industry that is inherently narcissistic yes brilliant what I came up and what I came up with is own who I am and scream it from the mountaintops Mm mm-hmm if I had not done that, Kinky Boots and Miss Lola would have been somebody else. Well, I think it's so inspirational to hear Billy share his journey because it, you know, had a lot of ups and downs. And people should know yeah. that the, the process is not easy. It's and, brutal. you know, <laughs> double that with, you know, being gay and being African American, you know, it's just like. It's just so uplifting to hear you say how you persevered because you easily could have just, you know, given up on any given yeah, day. And, th- and I didn't have a choice for that. You know, I have a mother who was born with a disability, and I watched her mm-hmm. get out of bed every morning mm-hmm. as her body continued to deteriorate. So much so to the point where she is 71 years old with no mobility, living in the Actors Fund nursing home right now. And that woman still gets out of bed every morning mm. to live. Amazing. God bless her. I don't have a choice. No. No. When when you when you come from that kind of stock, there's right. no choice. No choice, right. Billy was Kinky Boots written that role written for you personally? Um I think I think in a in a spiritual way, uh-huh. yes. <laughs> you know, like if we're talking spiritually, when yeah. I went to see the movie, yeah. that was, you know, five or eight years before the musical, I went to see the movie in the theater and I thought to myself, wow, if I lived in London when they were casting this movie, she would tell Edgy of would have been out of a job. Well. <laughs> he was brilliant in the movie. He was brilliant in it. You know, but there was uh-huh. something about that specific part right. that spoke to me, and I understood in my heart of hearts that that is something that I do better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Whatever that means, that yep. particular archetype, that particular thing, the requirement for that particular role is something that I do yep. better than anybody else. Yep. It just is. It just is. I can own it, and I can know it. Well, we're looking so forward to having you November 17th at 10 o'clock. We're just so excited. Me too. Me too. And what's next on the agenda for you? What do you have coming up? Uh, I'm working 
am, um, you know, the irony of what I'm getting ready to tell you, it's so, it's just so funny to me because Sony Records passed on me three times. <laughs> what am I, what am I doing right now? Making a record for Sony Records. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. I am, I am working on, um, a, a base, a basically an album called The Soul of Rogers. And what me and my writing partner, James Sampleiner, have done is we have deconstructed the catalog, some of the songs from the catalog of Richard Rogers oh. and, um, re- uh, and funneled them through a very contemporary African-American musical lens. Mm. So for lack of a better explanation, it's like, if Mary J. Blige and Anthony Hamilton and Beyonce were singing Richard Rogers' music. Oh, awesome. It's fresh, it's interesting, it's current. I am producing the album. Awesome. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to be the Quincy Jones of Broadway. You know, <laughs> the, the, the success of Hamilton has created a conversation mm-hmm. that didn't exist before right. in that field and in that market. You know, prior to Hamilton, the, 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 uh, the theater purists weren't having hip hop. Mm. You know, they weren't having real authentic R&B music to tell a story. They weren't having it. And now, because of the success of Hamilton, there's no choice but to have that conversation with us. So I am interested in expanding that. And my first, and and the first idea has been this. And we're using all of the. I'm using all of the young, hot, new, fresh, contemporary. Uh, singers and actors from Broadway, including, you know, five or six of them from Hamilton. Awesome. Uh, uh, you know, Leslie Odom Jr., uh, Renee Goldsberry, Chris Jackson. You know, if I could ever get uh, Lynn Manuel on the phone from his movie set, he's supposed to do a rap with me on uh, <laughs> Lady of the Tramp. I don't know if that's going to happen, but, no. you know, he did say yes. Um, <laughs> you know, Deborah Cox, Deborah Cox is on it. Wow. Um, Wow. Um, the Pentatonics. Good um, God. Oh, You've got the creme de la creme, my dear. When is the album coming I, out, Billy? Well, you know, we're, we're, we've been trying to get it out by next March, scheduling all of those people around the schedule. Uh, Dobby Diggs is going to rap as well. Uh, Lettucey is on it. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. And, and it, you know, we're trying to get it out by March, but that means it has to be done by the second week of December. These schedules ain't working out as quickly as I thought they would, so I can't really say right now. Okay. We're feverishly, you know, working to get these schedules together and get it out as fast as we can. Oh, I wish you all the best with that. We wish you all the best. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week 
Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 